We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Rooney podcast. This is episode 279 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso here with... A little something new, a little something promised. We will have a uh, third member of the pod, longtime friend, longtime contributor, longtime, longtime. Yeah, uh, Rob Gallick, quarterback of the pod. Uh, we'll be here with some with some mailbags, like just like some rapid fire mailbag. What I'm very he said about he here, sent me a list of like a two page list yesterday. Okay, I don't want to know. In, I, don't I was in bed. Know. I didn't open them. I don't want to know them either. I'm not going to open them. We're That's just going to. Oh, yeah, I want, we're going I want, in blind. Want to come into? Yeah, I want to. I want real reaction. Very much looking forward to that portion of the pod. We are going to give you your week 14 recap here in a second as well. Um, but first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, and first, first, go back to Rob coming on. I, I want to thank everybody for sending us mailbags because we do get some. But once you, for, for those of us thinking we're picking favorites, it, once you send it half as many, mailbags as Rob sends me on a weekly basis, we can then start talking about possibly bringing you on for a rapid fire mailbag session. Rob is Rob's the MVP of the mailbag. He's the, he's the goat of it. He sends us more than anybody combined. That's not to say we don't get some from other people Mm -hmm. that just shows Rob's dedication to the pod. So shout out Rob. It's more of a Testament to him than knock on anybody else. You got to pump the, you got to pump those numbers up. That's what, exactly. That's what yeah, exactly. Yeah. You I'm telling you guys, up. get more involved. It's like meeting your sales quota. You got the person next to you selling a whole bunch. Like you got to keep up if you want the recognition. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. But coffee uh, is for closers. There you go. As for for me, I'm doing well. It was nice. Like I missed watching Justin Fields, but just not having was, to deal with like the I was stress good. of like it was. I'm, I'm good. Like it's it's another week. Justin Fields is healthy, and I didn't have to deal with him playing well, them losing, and another week of talking heads and columns telling me how the bears need to learn how to win and me having yep. to argue with that in my head. And it was just, it was a nice stress-free relaxing. Um, I just, I, I know you're obviously at work. So you have all the TVs in front of you until you got to hop on the air, but it was pop on red zone and just kind of watch and just stress-free and watch. It was lovely. It was uh it was a fantastic weekend of football, some great games, some fun results, the playoff picture really starting to come into focus here. And when I say that, what we're focused on is the fact that there are there's a sea of teams living in that seven and six, mm-hmm. eight and five range where uh, it could be heading the wrong direction like Miami right now. It could be heading the right direction like a team like Detroit. Like It feels like everybody but a handful of teams that are cemented at the top of the conference or cemented at the bottom has a chance to make some noise here over the final month of the season. It's going to be an awesome stretch run. We'll get there when we get there, but let's get to what we did see, Matt. Let's dive right in because, as you said, no Bears breakdown this week. Um, that is a, a weight off our shoulders in more ways than one. Although I was kind of watching that Kansas City Denver game, like I was like, too for the for the Come first on Denver, time and, and Houston as well. I was like, for, oh, yeah, maybe? for the first time, like pulling for Denver super hard. Like I, I don't know, we're we're uh, we're on we're squarely focused here on uh, on pick watch, and it's looking looking pretty darn good right now. But I don't know about you, I got addicted to mock drafting over the weekend. I Did went you? on. PFF. No, I'm not, I I'm not there yet. Yeah. I'm not. I'm. I. You know. I was. I had some time to kill, and I was just. I. You no. know. I, I found the PFF mock drafter, and I've just. I went off. I. I, I will. A, uh, I got addicted to trading down as well. 
I will have to I will have to focus uh, on that for about a three month span. I'll probably have to host like yeah. 150 mock drafts. So I'm good without mock drafts. Right That's now, fair. But, I respect that. Uh, let's operate in 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 reality. Let's operate in what occurred in Week 14 of the NFL. Uh, Raiders and Rams was forever ago. The Baker game. I mean, that was that was great stuff. Like for what was a disgusting game for 55 minutes. Baker with four minutes left on the clock, driving his team down the field. A quick three and out. Another. This is again. There's kind of like two sides to this. I've been pulling for the Raiders all season because of my preseason. Uh, yeah predictions and i always kind of pull for the raiders and Derek carr uh, as is well established here on the pod but uh for baker to show up and 48 hours later lead a team of people that he has never met to a win in the nfl it was hard to wrap your head around because you could maybe drop a guy in on a defensive game you could drop a guy in somewhere else um you're not going to get that you're not going to drop a quarterback in and say here's 10 plays you need to learn how to run and we're going to go win a football game that was something different Uh, i really enjoyed that on thursday night i don't know about you and i think that's probably been asked but like i think it's the colts loss but this is right up there with as bad as the colts loss for josh mcdaniels i think you're on the it's it's thursday night football you have a 16 to 3 lead with what five minutes left you're going up against a quarterback who's been with the team for under 48 hours and has probably been in the in the facility for less than you know 20. We probably got to the facility just before game day. Like, man, that's a that's a really really rough loss, especially when you start off the way you do and go down and score. And it looks like it's going to be easy, and then you just they just kind of parked the bus. And Derek Carr threw one of the most mind-bogglingly bad interceptions where he just like hit uh, throws. Puts it, hit like, sh- throws. True, but like. Shot puts it into the end zone, and I don't know yeah, about even you. If, and even I if know he this stepped in and ripped that one. He was throwing it into like triple enough. coverage across the back. Yeah, the this end, is a this might be a meatball take. We were uh, we had a uh, like a company uh, of the local people in Chicago. We don't have an office, but we had like a Chicago based like Christmas party that night. We we're watching the game, and they had whatever it was like the fourth and one from the thirty eight. And I just started mm-hmm. saying, "Just go for it. Just go for it." There, you don't don't care about this punt, and I know it's probably still the wrong thing to do. Even though they went down and came back, and the Rams came down to one of us, it just this isn't going to end well for you. I've seen this; like, this is perfectly fitting for the Rams to come back. Just go for it. Just just win the game yeah. with Josh Jacobs or lose it. Just go for it. I think that so. I think that the low hanging fruit here is to point the finger at Josh McDaniels because you can't. It's the whole lose. team. It's not you, just him, but it's partially him. But that's what it is. I think they're like very much in the vein of what Eberflus and polls are having to do right now. Um, Josh McDaniels and that front office are having to do a lot of uh, stripping away of what was done by Mike Mayock and John Gruden from a talent acquisition standpoint. Like, yes, you have some pillars here that you could build off of what they do with Derek Carr this off season will be very interesting to see if they do look for an Aaron Rodgers, look for a Tom Brady, like look for that veteran just shot in the arm, or if they stick with Carr, you have Carr, Jacobs, Devonte Adams, uh, defensively, you have Max Crosby. Those are your pillars. But outside of that, it's kind of a ragtag bunch. Um, and, and I think we've maybe misconstrued what the, what the Raiders really are. And I think that Josh McDaniels does deserve 
at least two seasons worth of, hey, figure it out guy. Um, because there's been moments like there's been some stretches where they've looked good, where the play calling's been better. But um, no, yeah, it, it's it's another exclusive. Ex- excuse me, another inexcusable loss to stack on top of that Colts loss. I mean, when you look at getting beat by Baker Mayfield in a New Jersey and getting beat by a head coach who just put the sweater on, like that's that's two that really raise your eyebrow here. Um, but back against the Wall Raiders, like kind of what do you got? The math is squarely against them after that loss. They essentially have to win out and get some help. So uh, it's probably credits, uh, roll credits, that is, on uh, on this Raiders team. For the Rams, we know the season's over, but interesting uh, interesting outcome there for the long-term future of Baker Mayfield. Will he be Stafford's backup next year? Is this his dress rehearsal to get a starting job somewhere next year? Is someone going to bite at that bait? I don't know, but it was a lot of fun, and it made you feel good for Baker, which is not uh, which is not a feeling we've become accustomed to here in the last couple of years. No, that was a, that was a good day for him, and again, not the biggest Baker fan, but like he's been through a lot, and that's a that that's a good story for any athlete. Uh, most definitely. Beyond that, we got into the Sunday slate in Week 14. The Jets and the Bills was sort of a messy knockdown dragout game that the Jets defense has has really thrust upon their opponent all season long. Uh, Bills come away. Josh Allen kind of got back to a little bit more of the creation off schedule, run the football, lower your shoulder, Josh Allen. That kind of makes it queasy, but also is so captivating to watch. Um, What it told me is that he's healthy and ready for the stretch run. A win is a win. You get out of there. You send it. You send a Jets team pack in here. That's stolen wins from the Bills and from other teams before. Mm-hmm. So you feel good about the result. It was sort of that messy game uh, name drop here. I got to uh, chop it up with Tony Romo after the game on our air. He was our uh, NFL on CBS um, guest of the week. And um, immediately after the game, I, I sort of asked him the question, like, is this that type of win where you don't look at the film, you just no pictures on the scorecard, you got the W? He said, yes, but... They've been doing that all month. So the Bills do have to start uh, winning cosmetically as well to make us feel good here coming down the stretch. Yeah, I'm with you there. This was a this is a good win and it's a it, I like where they're I feel a little more confident about where they are after this one than I have at points past this month because I think they did go up against they went up against a really, really good defense in the Jets in really bad weather. And I thought Josh Allen looked like himself again, at least a little bit more so. And that to me is the most important thing with this Bills team. Uh, obviously, they're going to go as far as Josh Allen can take them. They're a very talented team around them, but they're not beating anybody in the playoffs without a pretty much entirely healthy Josh Allen. And it seems like we're getting closer and closer to that, and we're going to be there come playoff time. And this is a tough win against a hard-nosed divisional opponent against with a you know a quarterback that may not be the best quarterback in the world, but certainly one playing well that his teammates buy into. That's a good win. That's a good win at home in shitty weather that – you know, they kind of controlled the whole way. So that, that was a confident, that was a confidence building win for me and the bills and uh, our Super Bowl pick there. And then they turn around here on a short week, Thursday night football, or excuse me, Saturday. They're the Saturday yes. late game as we will have a Saturday slate here. Um, the Saturday games are always a blast. Thursday. We actually get a good game. We'll get to, uh, we, we do as well. Um, but we have a, uh, we have a bills team here with uh, one less day against what was a good Miami team. I, 
still think is a good Miami team. I think they've lost their way a little bit. We'll get there in a second as well. But we have the Bengals and the Browns. The Bengals 23, Browns 10. Uh, biggest thing here was not Joe Burrow, was not the offense, was not Joe Mixon or Samaji P. Ryan. They really bottled up Nick Chubb in this rushing attack of Cleveland. And I think Cleveland maybe has gotten away from that run three out of four plays offense that they were under Jacoby Brissett because they're trying to get to Sean Watson comfortable in their offense and maybe lean into some of the things that we think he does well, but you know, you don't play football for 700 days. Do you really do those things well anymore? The mm-hmm. book's going to be out here on Watson until he puts together a couple nice performances. We have yet to see that this was better 26 of 42 276. but Chubb went for 34 yards, which tells me this is a Cincinnati defense starting to find their identity. And, and you got to have that complimentary defense like they did last year. If you want to make another one of these type of runs. Yeah, I mean, this is the reminder. We've been watching the Bengals all year and how, you know, once they've they started out slow, but since that point, they're the 0 and 2 start, they're 9 and 2, and the offenses really look great at times. This is the reminder that, like, oh, yeah, actually, what kind of got them to the Super Bowl was the defense played out in their mind and they got some big, you know, big drives when they needed them from Burrow and Chase. Like, the defense is what carried them. I don't know what carried is the wrong word, but the defense powered them to a Super Bowl last year. And this was kind of your reminder, like, oh, yeah, they're, uh, they still play really, really good defense. And that's also kind of why no one's going to want to see them come playoff time, because if both sides of the ball are playing their best football, they can compete with. I mean, they just beat the Chiefs, obviously. They could be the best team in the AFC when they're firing on all cylinders. Um, I I think that that's a I think that's a proper summation of sort of where they're at. Right. I, we say it every week, but like you got Joe Burrow, you got a chance. Keep mm-hmm. him upright. And you have a chance. He's been sacked, I believe, six times in the last five weeks across this five-game winning streak. There's the answer to the question. Like, oh, how are they succeeding? You have a world-class quarterback who, when he's on his feet in the pocket, can beat you 10 different ways. Keep him mm-hmm. upright and you win. It's it's fun, little hog talk, to have seen the Cincinnati offensive line gel as well. I think that that's where the success is coming from. Yeah, uh, they're getting better. Deep, they still need to work, but they're, they're getting better. Deep in the heart of Texas, Cowboys – a little sweat on the brow of the Dallas faithful 27, 23. They uh, beat the Texans. Looked like they were going to lose that game for the entire game until the final couple minutes here. Um, Dak Prescott with his heels on his own goal line leads a 98 yard drive uh, to go ahead and win the game. Maybe if you're painting silver linings, like good to be in this position, good to have to go do it, but maybe not good against this team. I think it was that moment where maybe Dallas loses focus in the days leading up to this game. And they find themselves uh, in, in a bit of a, in a bit of a boxing match in a phone booth and the Texans uh, put together one of their better efforts of the season. This is the type of game that, that keeps us from trusting the Cowboys. I mean, you score 33 points in the fourth quarter the week prior, and then like you lose focus, you become unengaged a few days later against the worst team in the NFL. It's like, this is why we don't believe in you. I I think that's uh, that I've been, or that at least collectively we've been affirmed in that feeling about the Cowboys sort of, we'll believe it when we see it, when it comes to Dallas. Yeah, I think you and I have kind of been in the camp of the Eagles and the 49ers are the class of the NFC and the Cowboys are the next step below them. And as good as they've been at times, like I'm just conditioned to not really fully buy into it till I see Mm -hmm. them do it. And that's why this game for me doesn't really change much because it's still like it it wasn't going to not a win here. Obviously, wasn't going to put them in that stratosphere with the Niners and the Eagles and a loss here maybe would have dropped them a little bit, but there'd still be a 10 win team like this to me was a 
good football team that kind of just came out flat footed, played with their food a little bit and found a way to win late. And it's kind of no harm, no foul. Does it raise a little bit of a red flag? Sure. But I still think they'll probably bounce back in the weeks to come and be fine. But it just kind of, it reassures where we both think they are is they're not the class of the NFC. They're that step below. They're capable of getting there, but just until they do it, I'm not going to believe it. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. High powered offense. Uh, Tony Pollard, I, I don't know where this has come from, but he looks fantastic. Zeke sort of becoming that um, gasher and then goal line attack guy. Like they have, they have a really nice makeup. They have a really nice build. It's just like I question the whole ethos. I question the, I question the guts. I don't question the actual arms and legs of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, uh, Lions, I'm with you. Lions and Vikings. This was the head scratcher. Lions opened up as one and a half point favorites. Not only did this not swing to the Vikings side, um, but the money went deeper on the other side. The Lions actually, the money went to the Vikings, but the number moved even further to the Lions. I think at kick, it was two and a half. Even saw it at three some places. The Lions is favorites. And this was the Vegas knows something that you don't game because the Lions win at 34, 23. They said, keep those hats and t-shirts in the boxes. And they themselves now at six and seven, having won however many in a row are right there. Not right there, but they're in the mix. If they win out, they're in the playoffs, essentially, is the situation here. And the odds on that are very low. I believe they have a 20% chance right now, according to our friends at Sportsline, to make the playoffs. Uh, winners in five of their last six. They get the Jets, the Panthers, the Bears, and the Packers down the stretch. They beat this Jets team. It's real. If they beat the Jets in East Rutherford and Goff does what he's been doing these last few weeks, it is real. You can start to allow yourself to go to the place where the Lions are that last team in the NFC playoff picture. I'm not there just yet, but a win in East Rutherford this week would make me feel that wholeheartedly. Yeah, and I think the biggest biggest turnaround key for me is that quarterback play and that's an easy thing to say but like Jared Goff is starting to play like the number one pick that people thought that he you know could turn out to be and that offense is just it's as efficient it it moves as well as any offense we've seen the Vikings uh, I still think this is kind of a they are who we thought they were kind of team they're going to win the division they're going to win you know 11 or 12 games whatever it might be I still don't really trust them to get past much uh, much past you know one win in the playoffs, I think they have the best receiver in football and that, you know, and then just kind of the best receiver in football. They have Dalvin Cook, who got shut down in this game. But like then just kind of a bunch of guys uh, and, and credit to the Lions. I mean, it's a young team that you know we were out on Dan Campbell earlier this year. Clearly, they've kept buying into him and they have some developing stars on offense. And they're, they're really they're just playing really, really efficient football. Look out for them. They, they can win out. I kind of hope they do because that'll add to the drama then that we're going to see um, down the stretch of the uh, the playoff chase. Uh, honorable mention here, Justin Jefferson, an almost pedestrian, 223 yards. He's so uh, no good. touchdowns, no touchdowns. He did step out of bounds on a crazy one uh, that should have. Been how a do we? But... How do we get one of those on the Bears? Yeah, right. Where uh, do we find one? Where can I? Where can I get a Justin Jefferson? Because yes. he made 223 yards look like I looked. At, I looked at the box score when he had like 160 something. I was like, I feel like he's touched the ball twice and ended up with 11 receptions, a career high 223, and it's a career high. Like say that here in the coming weeks. It's funny you say that because like. I don't know if you can ever have a quiet 220 yards, but it felt like it's like the same thing. Like I double checked it. Really? He's got that many. And yeah, Yeah. he's just always there. He's always catching ball. 
Uh, speaking of teams that we don't believe in, like the Cowboys, the Titans, mm. I will forever have my eyebrow raised at 36 22. Uh, they're still probably, I mean, they're, I believe, two games clear in that division. So they're still That's probably going right. to win the division if they, unless Doesn't they shoot themselves in their foot. But like, they're just. They're just so uninspiring. There's just something missing. It's probably a quarterback. It's probably a couple wide receivers. Um, they got a great head coach. They got a great running back, and I think that's what keeps them afloat. But I think the Jaguars here uh, took a major step forward. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and don't look now, but Trevor Lawrence has not thrown an interception since before Halloween. I believe October 30th was his last interception. So he's really coming into his own. And like what I noticed this past week, too, because – you know, we'll rip the highlights if, if they're at the podium. We'll get out to the podiums, this and that. He's starting to say it with his chest a little bit, too. He's starting to believe – he's starting to sound a little bit more like a quarterback, and I don't know if he's ever going to be a rah-rah guy, but, like, he's breathing before he speaks, mm-hmm. and, like, he's, he's speaking from his diaphragm now rather than, like, mumbling into the microphone. I think we're seeing a lot of growth right now, especially over this last, like, month and a half in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it's, it's – we, we talk about the same progression we, that we wanted to see with Fields, you know, him getting better throughout the year and kind of peaking towards the end. That's what we're seeing with Trevor Lawrence. He has gotten, you know, he obviously had some had a bit of a slow start, saw some flashes early with that Chargers game, and now we're starting to see it more on a consistent basis. He's been playing this way just about every week for the last few, and he is looking like the number one pick, the prodigy that we all thought. And mm-hmm. I mean, don't look now. You say the Titans probably hold on. They got. They have to go to the Chargers. That's not an easy game. That's not an easy game by any means. How the Chargers are playing, we'll get to that. The Chargers can win that. Then they play Houston. They'll likely win that. Then they have to play Dallas on Thursday Night Football. By no means a winner. And then they close out with Jacksonville. So if Tennessee goes one and two in their next two, and Jacksonville goes two and one. That's a Week 18 for the division showdown in Jacksonville. That's give not, it to me. That's not out of the cards. Put it in my veins because uh, I feel like. You're going to have a lot of that, and you're going to have a couple games that really don't matter as these top seeds get solidified. The Eagles yeah. Week 18 isn't going to matter. Truthfully, I don't think the Bills Week 18 is going to matter um, because I believe that's a flex spot against the Patriots, and like they're waiting to see if it's going to matter or not to see if they flex it. But um, mm-hmm. you're going to have a couple throwaways. You're going to have a couple everything on the lines, and that could be one of them. Uh, Eagles and Giants. Speaking of those Eagles, now 12 and 1, 48 22, uh, heading to Soldier Field. I made a call to the park district. I said, grow out the grass. I need it soft. I need it. I need, I need wet. I need long grass. I need it coming up in chunks. Anything we could do to slow down this attack because Jalen Hurts, I mean, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, Miles Sanders, it, it the beat goes on. They're, we need, we need 49ers the most- week one weather. They are the most complete, and we're not going to get it because I have a fantasy matchup uh, that's likely going to rely on the Eagles not producing in Chicago. It's going to be sunny in 30, so about as be- the best you could ask for at this time of the season um, in the Windy City. But uh, as for this 48-22 game, Giants are dead. I mean, they're not yeah. dead. They're still in the playoff picture, 7-5-1, and one, that rematch coming up here with the Commanders that'll um, have big-time implications. So a fun one coming this week, but like, it's really been I, I was I'm around a lot of Giants fans and early in the season when they were seven and two, six and one, I was sort of heeding the warning of enjoy it. Look at the schedule. Enjoy it. You mm-hmm. gotta enjoy it right now because you know your team's overperforming. They don't have a wide receiver on the roster. Saquon's playing out of his mind. Everything's sort of come back to the median and they've lost uh what is it five or no they have the tie so they've lost four of their last six with a tie they haven't won in a month uh and they got commanders vikings colts eagles down the stretch 
I, I think it might be roll credits here on the Giants. Yeah. Maybe they sneak in, but um, the big takeaway in this matchup is that the Eagles are the most complete football team in the NFL, and I don't think anyone's really that close. I uh, and I know I'm not going to buy into. Brock mania yet, but I just really want to see a 49ers Eagles game at some point. But, well, but, I think that I'm saying the Eagles are the most complete team. I'm just saying that I want to see them play because I think that would be awesome. Um, yeah. The Eagles are the most complete team in the NFL right now. They're playing fantastic football and credit to them. Like they could very well be in like just cruise control. Let's get to the playoffs mode. And they're not, they're still going out, putting up 40, 35 and 48 points in the last few weeks. And honestly, for the giants as frustrating as this is like, this isn't the same as when the Bears started like six and one the, a couple of years ago towards the end of the, the Nagy era. And maybe I think it was they snuck into the Nickelodeon game. But like you knew that was fake and you also knew that was like the end of a like the end of an era for a team, not really the beginning of a rebuild. I think for the Giants, like this losing out thing is probably not losing out completely, but probably losing out and failing to make the playoffs like probably for the best, because I think it does it leaves no doubt that they do have to make some significant changes this offseason and helps them identify pieces for the future guys they want to keep. But like it probably ends the, do we bring back Daniel Jones debate? It, it, it realistically means that they know they have to make some serious changes in the offseason. And I think that's probably for the long-term health of the New York giants and where they want to go a good thing. They have a very good coach. They have what we think is going to be a very good general manager. And I think letting them get their paw prints on the team this offseason, as opposed to, you know, a fool's gold 10 win season and a playoff bid is probably a better thing. Um, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with that. Um, I think that mainly don't get fooled into Daniel Jones being the guy. And I think them, you know, losing the way they are probably means that they know that they have to make a change there. Yeah. So might be, uh, might be a win within all the losses here that you do recognize that it's time to move on. Now where you move on to, because your pick's not going to be all, all that great. Um, maybe, you know what? You know what? The best case scenario is for the is for the Giants here because I'm already looking at it. And I'm already looking at everybody's big boards, and mm. nobody likes Caleb Williams for some reason. Like they're putting Will Levis before him, they're putting uh, uh, Bryce Young before him. I've seen other names. Uh, what CJ CJ Stroud's coming out right? I've seen Stroud yeah. in front. I think Caleb. Like I'm not going to make the like Pat Mahomes comparison, but there's so much of that in it. While I don't love the kid's attitude and the fuck Utah, fuck yeah. Notre Dame thing, like. He's got a lot of what you want in a quarterback self-belief, but like sort of a quiet self-belief and has all the different arm slots. And like, like I think, I don't know. I don't want to make any grand statements because I've been wrong about some quarterbacks in the past, but I think he's the best quarterback. I think he has the best NFL career and you might be able to find him in the middle of the first round because Caleb Williams, he's not coming out this year. He's next year. Oh, what am I doing? What am I? I He's still got a year. Yeah. He's still got to play for a year. Now here's um, what you could do if you're the Giants. You could do you trade could do out of the first. You could trade out of the first round and rack up a first round pick for next year and try and put yourself in a position to go get a Caleb Williams. Yeah, but like an 18 month sell sell a fan base on an yeah. 18 month waiting period. You, you know where you're getting there. No, thank you for clarifying gotcha. that. Because gotcha. I think that uh, I do agree with you. I think Caleb Williams is the best of all. If he were in this quarterback draft, would be the best of all the prospects. So maybe uh, maybe your first overall pick in two years. But uh, yeah, I, Danny Dimes. God bless him. He'll get a chance somewhere, but I think that it's time for New York to move on as well. Ravens and Steelers, 16-14. Somehow the Ravens, despite like really trying to lose football games, continue to win football games. Uh, Snoo Puntley, didn't know that was his nickname. He, uh, he, he, does, name. he does enough for Baltimore to win this game. Um, sort of a nondescript, don't believe in either team. I still think 
now I know, I mean, I know last week I said Ravens might lose out and you end up losing your way out of a playoff picture. That was a massive win over the Steelers because Mitch comes in. You got to feel better about your chances with Mitch in there. I'm saying if you're the Ravens, yeah. um, he's unable to pull off the upset. I think that this was this was the win that will keep them at least in that wild card picture. I still do think that Cincinnati um, catches them and ends up winning that division. Made me just feel bad for Mitch. I agree with you. I think that that wasn't a very confidence building win in the Ravens for me. They they won a game against a bad quarterback and a backup quarterback and a bad team that they probably shouldn't have won. But I, that like I know, I know they won, but we do kind of declared them dead ish last week, and I I still don't really buy into them. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, there's just, again, and not to say it's a wide receivers world, but they're, they're lacking some firepower on the they outside. Are. They 100% uh, are. Mark Andrews has not been what he usually is over the last couple, I'd say about six weeks. I don't think he scored in six or seven weeks. So, um, they're missing some pieces right now. I don't believe in them at all. Uh, Chiefs and Broncos. This was Matt's lock of the week. He gave you the Chiefs laying the nine. They were up 27 nothing. Looked like an absolute layup. Like he's on a heater. Everything's going Matt Rooney's way. Yeah. And here Until come the Broncos. Uh, Russ, I believe it was 21 unanswered before leaving with that uh, nasty looking concussion. 34 28 is your finals or your final, excuse me. It was sort of just that outlast, get the win type performance here. I mean, 34 points, it's hard to be critical of a team, but. Um, the Chiefs have a gear that we're not seeing yet, which makes me still believe in them. It still makes me fear them. Um, but they haven't been executing the way you want to see a team executing at this point in the season. They get away with one here on Sunday. The Chiefs are like they, the zero to 60 has for them has slowed down since since Tyreek left. And we saw it at times last year where they sometimes stall and can't get out of it. It just it takes them a little bit while a while to get going, and then it seems like when they take their foot off the gas, they have a real hard time getting it back up to full speed quickly. Like that's kind of what happened here. They they went up twenty seven to nothing, and then they just threw it into neutral, and they kind of had to turn it back on again, and then kind of couldn't weirdly. Um, so I've yeah, seen, like they're, I've seen they're, a fair amount. I've seen a fair amount of shoulder slouching from yeah. from the Chiefs, especially from Travis Kelsey after that fumble two weeks ago. He's just sort of not looked himself. Um, I don't know if you've been listening to their podcast, the Kelsey Brothers, but he was he took full responsibility for that. But like mm-hmm. he was very open about the fact that like four days later it was still living with him. It's like, dude, move on. And then you see him drop that ball on the goal line and he just sort of loses his spark. And that team is so reliant on his spark and on Mahomes' spark. So when they're not playing with that joy. I feel like that's almost where that gear comes from. Is like when they're having fun, it turns they're having into fun. They're unbeatable, stuff, but yeah, and they're unbeatable. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I, I just don't think they're there right now. I think they'll get there, but uh, yeah, it's. It, I got that's that's the in front of them is to go find that fun again. Maybe I think they got to beat the Bengals. That's their that's their medicine. That's it. Forty Nine ers Buccaneers. Uh, the Forty Nine ers win thirty five seven. Brock. Duels, Tom Brady, uh, Purdy's first career start. He becomes the first rookie quarterback to beat Tom Brady in their first start. Um, just did exactly what was asked of him. It was a perfect game plan from Kyle Shanahan. The defense did what they did. Um, this was another moment where, you know, when just when, you know, the Buccaneers might start creeping into the back of your head again, they pull that comeback win off. It is another, it was a test against someone that they will see if they want to be something and we realize the Buccaneers are not it. So 
even if they hold off the Panthers and the Falcons, which is only a one-game race now over the Panthers, just out of nowhere because the Panthers beat the Seahawks. Um, there's just there's just not enough there for the Buccaneers. I don't know what it looks like next year. I don't know if Tom's there. It really doesn't feel like he'll be there, whether he's in the Fox booth or playing football for another team. And then you got the 49ers who, you know, you lose Debo for a couple weeks here coming up, and it's almost like they're almost, I don't want to say attrition-proof because I'll, I'll jinx them, but you can lose players, you can lose quarterbacks, you can lose this, you can lose that, that defense keeps them afloat. And then you can't even say it's just the defense here because they scored 35 freaking points. Um, so good on Purdy, good on the defense. They seem recession proof, if you will. Yeah, I think it, it, I think they are attrition proof. Doesn't mean they're not injury proof, but like they've just gone through the loss of the key players so many times that they just keep on chugging. Um, and that's why I, I, that's why I want to see them play the Eagles. I think they're the two best teams in the NFC. And I think they're kind of the, I don't want to say polar opposites of each other, but they, they complement each other very well and will make a very good football game. And yeah, it's like the Bucks are probably going to make the playoffs and probably win the division, but uh, they have Tom and sure he can, you know, he's Tom Brady, but there's just nothing around him. There's not much help. The, the rest of the team kind of seems like they've quit. And I think he, to an extent, kind of knows that he's done in Tampa. I think he'll be somewhere else next year. Uh, where do you think he'll be next year? Uh, oof, might've, might've, might've just played where he's going to play next year. Whoa. See, I, and that's like the, that's like the soup du jour. That's the headline du jour for a lot of, uh, a lot of columnists, especially out in San Francisco. It's like, hold on. There or there or what about this whole, what about this whole Trey Lance guy? Like, like we're, we're already discarding him off a broken ankle. Now I am a Trey Lance truther again, believe it when we see it, but you got to give him the chance, right? For, for what? Yeah. But also if they get a chance at Tom Brady for the capital that you spent, the kid's not going to get He's not going to get a look. It's just no, a weird it's, situation. I hear I what think, you're saying. I, I think if you saying. don't, if you don't win this year, you can't build your team off what you spent three years ago. You can't be the person that says, That's "I right. already sunk so much into this that I have to keep trying." You need to but know what. But would that have been the case if investment. Jimmy Garoppolo leads you to a Super Bowl this year? I don't think that's the same conversation. I do, like, and yes, it's name brand. It's is it Garoppolo? Is it Brady? Brady's a hundred years old. He's not good at certain things anymore. He's shown he's still great at some things, but like, let's not pretend like Tom Brady's lighting the world on fire on the red. His team's not performing around him. There's a lot of, there's a lot of flaws with Brady's game right now. So this is a very interesting situation in San Francisco. We got a couple more quickies to get to here before we get to the mailbag with Rob Gallick, Panthers, Seahawks, out of nowhere, Panthers pull off the upset 30, 24. Uh, this was my lock of the week. The Panther, excuse me, the Seahawks team total over 23 and a half. Now this is under protest. You thought it was 24. I might have just got in my head. I, I'm sure you're right. We could go back to the recording yeah, here if we want to. Unless, unless somebody remembers from last week and wants to re- record, I don't care. It's fine. You got any snitch Go callers that, that remember from last if, week? If anybody but, uh, wants to snitch, that's fine. Uh, uh, but long, the, long story this game short, happened. The yeah, Seahawks are turning back into a pumpkin. Like it's they're, they're a nice story yeah. and they and they have some solid building blocks, but they're kind of going back to who they are, and that, that's fine. Like they're going to be they're in a good spot for the future, but they're just not as good as the team we saw earlier. Sam Darnold might be an actual quarterback. Who knows? Maybe. Dolphins, Chargers, uh, Chargers 23, Dolphins 17. I could do an hour on this game because Mike McDaniel set two up to fail for this uh, in this matchup. He literally thinks he's playing NFL blitz. All he ran was the bomb. Teams are taking away the middle of the field right now uh, on Miami, and you got to dink and dunk. you got to run Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill across the field. Run them through zones. Don't run them at zones. They're just running go routes on the outside and asking Tua to hit go routes. It's like, 
that's how you end up with the lowest completion percentage by a Dolphins quarterback in 40 seasons is by just trying to chuck and duck. And you have so much talent. You, you can run the ball where he most was chunking that Chargers defense. And it was just a poorly called game plan for Mike McDaniel. He thinks he's playing a video game and he, he's got a really, I don't know. I think he's, I think he game plans to his talent and not to his opponent. And he's got to start game planning to his opponent a little bit more. Yeah, who, am I, I to, who am I to say, but that's, that's the way it looked against the Chargers. I think that's a good point. And I think I like, we use a lot of times you see this happen in year two after a first year coach it might be happening a little bit earlier, but, I think teams are adjusting to Mike McDaniel and now Mike McDaniel needs to learn how to adjust back. And that's usually what makes, you know, what that's what separates the the hot start head coach versus the head mm-hmm. coach that actually sticks is the one that can be, you know, actually fit go the 12 rounds in the boxing match instead of coming out and throwing out, you know, you know, have haymakers early and then and losing late. You know, he's got to figure out how to counter punch and how to counter these teams. And that's what makes these good take. That's what makes good head coaches. And I think this was a, a wake up call for him. Yeah, and this was that uh, five versus six in the 2020 draft uh, head head to head here between Tua and Justin Herbert. Again, I don't want to make too much of it and say, oh, the Dolphins made the wrong choice because of this one game. But uh, tip of the cap to Justin Herbert, 39 of 51 for 367. Finally, Patriots and Cardinals, 27-13 headline here is Kyler going down on the third play of the game with the torn ACL. Uh, Whatever you think about him, whatever you feel about him, felt terrible. Just just a terrible moment there. Uh, Patriots don't impress me. This was a very, very good game to round out week 14. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's, you said it, feel bad for Kyler, but other than that, that's a game that happened. And, uh, yeah, should we, uh, should we send it to Rob? Oh, let's do it. You've got mail. So without further ado, the number one Moose and Runes listener, I think it's fair to say, no disrespect to the Parker Carrolls of the world, to the Phil Goths of the world, to those, to the, to the Rooney family, uh, no disrespect to any of them, but Rob Gallick, uh, quarterback extraordinaire, uh, he's currently he's currently in just a a, a true uh, self discovery uh, yeah. place right now. He's playing the top one hundred courses in California, public golf courses. So I'm sure there some things will 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 tie back into that and some of those experiences. But we are very lucky to have none other than Rob Gallick here on the podcast. He said third appearance, and I'll take his word for it. Rob, you know I do it every single week. I ask Matt first and foremost. Rob Gallick, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. You know, it's always fun to be on. I've I've got to witness the pod start up in the old apartment on Cortez with Matt. Mm. <laughs> I, I I think I've, I'm going to give myself the title, like the unofficial title, of like the on location producer. Now being well, the Roger third associate time. producer slash gra- slash graphic. Okay, producer. we'll give him the credit. I, I do I, a lot of, I, I do a lot of these thumbnail later, by the way. The first thing that yeah. came to mind, he's like the, what was the guy, uh, Steve Wozniak. You're the Wozniak to Matt's Steve Jobs. Like you're like, yeah. you were, or no, he, that Wozniak was with Gates, right? Or no, Wozniak was with Jobs. Wozniak was with Jobs. Oh, you tell me. That's the holy trinity of technology guys right there. So I mean. <laughs> Let's just say <laughs> you were in the, you were in the garage too. You were in the garage too. For sure. That's all I'm saying. For sure. Um, but yeah. th- this is just what we're going to do here is we're going to really go undistilled mailbag. I mean, you send in a million a week, uh, mostly to Matt. And for that, I'm thankful. But I, 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 we have not seen any of these questions Matt or I. So no, I mean, I you, take it, it, you take it wherever you like here. It is a holiday mailbag. And uh, this is this is your vehicle to drive, Rob Gallick. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. I've, I've racked my brain for a good uh, good couple of weeks now. I went through the, mess- the text messages with Matt. So first set I got is going to be, uh, basically bears related. We're going to stick a little bears by a week here. Um, okay. and then, and then I got just kind of a, 
you're, you're going to see a lot of corners in my brain with some of these questions. <laughs> and, uh, there might be a little bit of this or that where we might just kind of go quick. I might go back and forth between both you guys. But uh, Joe, heads up. It, it can be a scary. The corners of Rob's brain can be a scary place. Just want to give you a heads up. I've, I've, I lived there for I lived there for three years. So we we're just we're just taking a trip back to that special place. Uh, for sure. So it's going to be a little bit of, it's going to be an in-between of a little bit around my horn versus like whose line of it any ways where like, I might give up points. It don't matter. Like nobody it. wins. So Wayne, I'll be Wayne Brady. All right, let's jump right into it. <laughs> so uh, big news this week, Seahawks jumping back the bears during the bye week. Uh, but you do have Broncos Cardinals coming up. Russ throwing up points versus a, a Kyler game. What are we looking at for, you think bears are going to hang into that second pick or are we kind of voting for, if they do drop, they're almost guaranteed to draft somebody in that spot versus there's a lot of questions if they do land in that two, three pick to trade back. You think if they're out of that four pick, they might, you kind of get in that gray area of guys. So give me a little, give me a little prediction here. Bears going to end up in two. Do we want them to float back? What do you guys think? You throw it to both you guys one-on-one. I think Bears pick three, and I think that there's a bigger temptation, obviously, to trade back from three than there is from two um, because – bunch of the mocks I've seen, at least from our CBS guys, it's a quarterback at one to the Texans and then Will Anderson to whoever's number two. And I like that. I would love Will Anderson, but the more I've watched the Carter kid from Georgia, I'm not a fan of trading back. If you are picking one, two, or three, I want you to make a selection. If you're four or beyond, I understand the idea of maximizing. I think Matt's a little bit more akin to the idea of trading back. If no. you can get your hands on Anderson or on Carter Make the pick, make your defense better. It's exactly what we need. No, I think I think I want to say we talked about this after the SEC championship game. So maybe it was last week. I'm fully on board with the if you're two or three, if you're three, you have to take one of Carter Anderson, whichever one falls to you. I Matt, think was it was it him lifting up uh, Bryce Young like a child that sold it, you? Was it, that what it was? It, it, it was a lot of it. It was it was so <laughs> so many of it. All like all like one of those two guys is a franchise changer. If you're four or five, yeah, I think you trade back unless you luck it, unless you know somebody else trades up for a quarterback and then one of those guys falls to you. Um, but I'm of the belief that you trade back unless you can get one of those two guys because I think those two guys are franchise changers on the defensive end. Like I don't want to say Jalen Carter's Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald's the best one of the best players to ever play defense in the NFL. But I think Jalen Carter like can have that type of an effect on a defense and a franchise. He's that good. No. And like, you don't have to be Aaron Donald, but like the, the comparison that I made just in stature last week. And one that I've seen floating around is Chris Jones in Kansas city. Yeah. Long, maybe built a little bit more like a thicker edge rusher, but affecting the game from the inside can be moved anywhere from the a gap to all the way outside, like a very, uh, a very multi guy in that sense. Uh, Rob, we do value the opinion of the question asker as well. What do you like? I think you guys are pretty spot on. It's a general consensus. If you if you're in that top three spot, I even said four because then depending on who that four team is, you might get two quarterbacks in there. So you kind of get the consolation prize between Anderson and, and Carter. But as of yesterday, Todd McShay did have Carter going two to the Seahawks and Jay, uh, Will Anderson three to the Bears. So I don't know if Carl Carter might be getting a little bit of post SEC game he is. hype. You know, really it's, getting to see him. It's see him PR season. Him. It's PR for sure. For and I think Will, Will Levis is the other guy who's going to get a ton of that. So depending on, I think we're right on where you guys said, if you land in that four or five spot, it really depends on if Carolina is still behind you. That's looking to move up or, or where those other teams lie. But uh, that I, I think I'm with both of you. If you are kind of that five, six, 
you you have an opportunity. I think you could you could get creative and go get a big time wide receiver while picking up another second or a third round, or for sure. um, being able to to move into that direction for sure. Either so. way, they're in a great spot. They're either getting one of those two guys or trading back for a million picks for sure. And that's and that's saying that the Bears don't go off and pull off like a back to back Lions Vikings win at the they end of the year. Really just some they won't. Out. Stop! 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 The culture people of the world want would think that that's a better idea. Well, we're not culture people. We're quarterback people on this podcast. I'll worry about go. the culture next season. Defensive line people is where we're at. Edge rushers, D tackles. Yeah. Uh, moving on, let's play GM for a minute. I want four mm. players. Matt, I'm going to start with you. Oh, boy. Three of them are going to be free aid candidates. One of them is going to be a draft pick. So you don't have to lock into where that draft pick is. If you like, if you want to go with like a, a Quentin Johnson and then you want to go dig into O-line or D-line okay. on free agency money, uh, you don't need to go all four, but give me a couple guys, um, free agency trade market that you want to see, and then give me a draft pick in there. So you could kind of design as, as wanted. I guess then my draft pick would be one of the two defensive guys uh, mentioned, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. That's a if I, if I fall into one of those two guys, I'll happily take them. Uh, trade market guy, I'm calling the Bengals about T. Higgins. I believe this is the year they have to pay him, and they are not going to pay everybody. They're going to have to pay Jamar Chase. Obviously, they have some other talent on wide at the wide receiver position. They have a whole lot of offensive talent. That might be a guy that they're not willing to throw big money to and might be able to listen on. So that's the 100% guy that I'm calling about. Um Free agency wise, I'm I'm just not getting outbid for Deron Payne to bring him in and play in the middle of my my defensive line, and one of Orlando Brown or Mike McGlinchey to to come in and be a tackle for me. I like where your head's at on McGlinchey. I'll co-sign that because you have to address that position, and if it doesn't turn into like a, a trade back, get the receiver, and then pick someone from. I mean, I feel like there's so little static right now about the offensive line position in this year's draft. You got the Northwestern kid that we talk about as the Northwestern kid every week. But I think beyond that, there's probably value to be found. You're not going to have teams. There's not going to be a run on O-line early. So you'll probably able no. to be able to address that with that late second round pick and still get some value there if that's what you want to do. But I mean, there's there are game changers as I'm looking at this board of what you could add to your team. Um, we obviously need linebacker help. I don't know what the market is on a Levante David, but he's still playing high-level football for Tampa Bay right now. Um, you mentioned Mike McGlinchey. That'd be a great addition as well. You got a guy in Buffalo who, yeah, we make a great, we make this big thing about Josh Allen and uh, Stephon Diggs and even Davis on the outside. And those are, yeah, they make that team go. But look at the splits with and without Jordan Poyer on the field this season. I believe they're nine and zero. Believe they're nine and zero with him on the field this season, and they've lost all but one game that he hasn't played. He's that type of guy, and yeah, we're talking about adding a safety to a team that has safeties. But like, you can you can change the course of a franchise by adding depth at the positions that we're not necessarily looking at. It doesn't have to be a quarterback. It doesn't have to be the wide receiver. It doesn't have to be those guys. I'd love to have the addition of a T Higgins. Like then you're looking at a wide receiver room of T Higgins, Chase Claypool and Mooney coming off an injury, but Mo but like, that's like a immediately you go from not having anybody to having a hell of a wide receiver room. Um, if I'm going to nail it down, I think you end up having to address offensive line in free agency. And Mike McGlinchey is, top of my list. Um, you can end up with a guy like Mike McGlinchey. I mean, 
I'm looking at some other wide receiver names. Alan Lazard's going to be out there. He hasn't really impressed this year. Um, Juju's going to be a free agent again. He's looked good with Kansas City. Like, how many, how many chances do you want to take? How many, how many, like, how many sure for me to trade? It's got to be a sure thing. Free agency, you could maybe take a flyer on that type of player. So I guess I don't necessarily have a big board assembled, but whatever you do not address through the draft you have to address here in free agency. And I think you can do a better job of addressing offensive line and free agency than you can defensive line. That's again, back to your first question, Rob draft D line address offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Ruin real quick, throwing it back as the old line extraordinaire. Do you think polls is more reliant in his evaluations of old linemen? We saw him take a flyer with Braxton and ended up sticking out the year. Do you think that's a position that like he almost, will draft those mid rounds because of his experience and his confidence and his evaluations versus going to go get the top O lineman available. I think he'll trust his judgment in terms of taking those guys, but no, I don't think he's going to think if you have an ego as an NFL GM and think and think that I can always find these diamonds in the rough every year in the fifth round and don't need to go out and pay a dude in free agency. I think that's a, think that's a fool's errand. I, I think he's going to trust himself and you know, that's the position. Obviously he knows the best and he got one this year, but you can't rely on that. At some point you have to go out and get the sure thing. And I think like Joe said, that's just, that's where the abundance of assets are this free agency. And I think that's where you actually have to go out and spend your money. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, a top of my Santa's Christmas list here as I look at Ooh, these okay. winning pedigree, been around greats, asked to do a lot. Orlando Brown is the top of the offensive line and uh, pecking for me right now. I'd put him above McGlinchey. I like it. Yeah, I'm with you. Thoughts. Thoughts. Oh, okay. thoughts. That's who thoughts. I said. I said Orlando Brown or Mike McGlinchey. Oh, did you? I thought you were yeah. no, no, Mike McGlinchey. No, no, I, I said I don't listen when Matt talks. So. I, I know. I, I'm that's understandable. This. I know. That's I, 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 I tried to keep him with the O-line talk. Yeah. I, I so sometimes I just Joe, gets, Joe usually gets mad actually when I bring up offensive line talk. Yeah, <laughs> that's not well, true. Joe, Joe, real quick, two two trade topics. Uh, Rune mentioned T. Higgins. Brandon Ayuk is the other one that gets the name that he could be looking for a new team. Uh, Whit, pick one: T. Higgins versus Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I'd go T. Higgins. I love Ayuk. I love his skill set. I would love to see what Getsy could do with that skill set, but. I, again, like I worry about redundancy. Look where it's working right now. Like look where the one, two punches are the most potent. The Eagles have a one, two punch in Smith and Brown because it's two completely different type of talents. Diggs and Davis, two completely different type of talents. Uh, go to Kansas city where it's a lot of the, uh, smaller scat types, but then you do have a MVS on the outside and a Juju on the outside, a big body. You can also add Kelsey to that equation. My point is you don't want to get redundant in that room. And I think there's some redundancy between Mooney and Ayuk. And I guess you could make the same uh, sort of point about Ayuk's situation right now in San Francisco. He doesn't necessarily pop the way he should because Debo in stature is similar. Now, Debo's a unicorn. He's thick. He's fast. You can put him anywhere on the field. But, like, I want big and small. I don't want small and small. I don't want medium and small. I want big and small. And we're lacking big. I get it. Claypool's big, but he's – I put him in that sort of juju, maybe a little clunkier big. I want vertical threat, high point – 
on the skinnier side, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins type to complement those smaller guys we do have in our offense already. I would love T. Higgins. God, that'd be awesome. I, 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 would mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad at Ayuk. Yeah, I wouldn't sure. be mad at Ayuk, but yeah, I do think there's fine. a little redu- nice. redundancy. Yeah. Give me two. And I, I think the best, biggest benefit with just that you're adding another body because before the conversation was like only T Higgins or Ayuk, and now you're having the opportunity to put them next to a Claypool and next to a Mooney and next to a Komet, sure. and you're hoping sure. that all these things progress. Whereas you're not like, trying to build the foundation, you're putting in the you're putting in the window treatments at this point. Yeah, you know? yeah I think before Foles actually did a nice job getting those guys. Like we have we have the middle, not the middling guys, but like the nice complimentary pieces. Now go get the guy. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of receivers, this question got kicked around a little bit when they went and got Claypool. Uh, was there a change in mindset between the, the Packers going to go get Claypool if they were to give up that early second round pick versus because it was the Bears, it was considered an oversell because of Claypool stature and where the Bears are at? Uh, was there Would there have been a big difference if it was the Packers going to get their guy in that situation, but because it was the Bears, it felt like it was more – it was a little bit of a higher – from like a public perception, sure. are you asking? For like, sure, yeah. The, would, yeah. Would the Packers have taken the same like flack that the Bears would do? Oh yeah, as and especially now is that that Raven. Well, Rune and I text about the Ravens pick for almost weekly now to hoping for that <laughs> thing to to be a little bit better. But especially now, seeing how big of a difference that that thirty fourth pick versus I think it's like the fifty something pick right now. Yep. Um, if it's going to be that critical or if it would have been that critical at the time from the public perception, if it was the Packers giving up the exact same 34th pick to go get a, a set NFL wide receiver. You, you know, I, I try and work in one swear word, a pod, and this is where I'm going to fit it in this. You do use that bullet yet. Fuck public perception like that. You can't yeah. build your team based. You can't build your team based off of public perception. You have to build a vision for your franchise and then try and check those boxes. And my big thing when they made this trade, yes, it wasn't. Two things can be true. The point I made was two things can be true. Yes, it can be an oversell and it can be exactly what your team needed. Sometimes you have to oversell to start moving towards that vision for your team. And if you're going to wait to every April to start addressing the needs of your team, you're going to be in this perpetual state of being a bad football team during the fall. And I I was glad to see polls identify and execute. And yes, it cost them a little more and it probably cost them a little more to keep him from being a Packer. And would that matter next year? Are the Packers going to have a quarterback named Aaron Rodgers next year? Probably not. Hopefully not. Like, but again, that is an outside uh, data point. That is an outside impulse that can't affect your decision making. You have to decide whether you're willing to pay this price for this receiver for your football team, not for anybody else's or for anybody else's opinion. And if anything, this tells you that Ryan Bowles is identifying and executing. Now, if you like the decision, I do. I like the player. I think he can be good in this offense. If you don't, then you're having a different conversation. But in terms of making that decision based off of these different things, it's got to be on what the belief and the homework is inside the building and nowhere else. Yeah. I think he just went out and identified his guy and did he overpay a little bit? Sure. But like, I mean, MLB free agency is a prime example of this right now. If you want the guy that you want, you're going to have to pay a little bit more than maybe you want because other people, like if they're that good, you're not the only person going after them. There's going to be a bidding war. You're going to have to pay what you want. And he went out and paid a price. And it's not like he gave away, it's not like he gave away the first round pick or anything. Um, Drop 20 picks in the draft to go get his receiver. 
I will, I will offer a small amendment to my statement of it's got to be all internal. The, the two external things that you do have to look at and you do have to sort of take into account is at that position group, what does the draft class look like? When can we address it in the draft? And what does the free agency class look like? The free agency class receiver is non-existent unless you really like Mike Williams and his half a hamstring. Mm. There's not much out there in the free agency class at wide receiver. The draft class, it's small scatty types. And I guess I haven't done my homework on rounds four through six right now with the wide receiver position. I think because of those two things, addressing it with someone who's played the game at the highest level and has had some success was a far better option. I think it's funny now getting into, I, I know most of those mid round draft picks from doing the PFF mock <laughs> simulators. Yes. So like, I know there's certain Give names name. that come up. Uh, Rashid Rice or okay. uh, the kid out of SMU. Um, they have Jalen Hyatt fallen all the way. I've got him in like the sixth round before. <laughs> um, but, uh, same I with Jalen Hyatt, the middle, middle, middle round wide on. receiver. Grab him. Zay Flowers out of Boston College. I mean, I walk out of drafts and I have three of the best wide receivers like out of the first round, and <laughs> I'm the greatest GM and and the mock simulators of all time. Find me, a, find me a Stephon Diggs. Find me a home run in the fifth. Find <laughs> me a home run in the fifth. That's all I ask. Um, all right, let's switch it up here. Um, I want to I want to temp check a couple players on a scale of one through five. I'm going to throw out some names. These are going to be quick answers. I don't need your whole explanations on them. Gotcha. Sure. Um, but one through five, five being these guys have to be on the team in two years. One being we're watching them play out their contract, and this we're going to move on sooner rather than okay. later in this short term rebuild for sure. So first one, uh, David Montgomery. Moose, we're going to start with you first, and then we'll go to runes. We'll we'll go the same order through the whole. All like I think I got four or five players. Okay, so. th- this isn't this isn't a reflection of David Montgomery. I know you said you didn't need explanation, but here's the explanation. This isn't a reflection of David Montgomery. It's a reflection of the position. I'm going to call it a two because yeah, I'd like to have him on the team, but if it's going to cost you anything, thanks for playing. There's thirty of you that we can go get. Yeah, I I, I have it at a three. Just if if it's if, if it's affordable, sure. If not, okay. See ya. Uh, Jalen Johnson. That's a four. I think that he's shown flashes of being elite at that position. Got to stay healthy. Need you on the field, but I'd love to have him on the field as a Chicago Bear. Yeah, I'm at a three because of the health concerns. Um, I think he's very good. I I think he needs a partner in crime to go along with him um, because I think he's gotten exposed to points this year. Uh, but I, I, the health concerns, too. I like him a lot. I think he has a very high ceiling, but I think the floor is low, too. So I am at a three because that's, that's where I'm at. All right, my goal is to find somebody to get Rune out of this middle of the road. I do well, I was here. actually – I was going to go four with Jalen. I was going to go four, but I didn't want to do the same yeah. as Joe again. Okay, sure. The royal the royal maybe, just the perpetual yeah. maybe. He's neutral. He's not, he's not <laughs> very positive or very negative. He's just neutral on it. Give me some Eddie Jackson thoughts. Oh, man. This is a good one. This is a good one. And I'm going to go uh, – He. this is very much the scent of the woman. Every time I'm out, they pull me back in. I was ready to not only have Eddie Jackson not be a bear, but like I was trying to make calls to 31 other GMs and make sure he didn't have a job. That's where I was at on Eddie oh, Jackson. And then this season, he freaking – like not only does he succeed, but he succeeds amongst failure, which tells me that he's 
re-engaged. It tells me that he's reinvested, that despite the negativity and the failure around him, especially on that defensive unit or just the Bears as a whole not winning games, he still went out there, took the ball away, led a defense that didn't have a whole lot of talent on it. The injury sucks, but I'll be Matt Rooney here and say three. I wouldn't, my head wouldn't pop if he wasn't a bear. Like I wouldn't be screaming that we made a mistake, but like, do I think he could be our safety? Yes. So I'm going to say three. I'm at a four. Um, one, I don't think the trade market is all that high for him at this point, just because that they're really trademark in the NFL never really is all that high, especially for defensive players. Um, and I think wait, what you said, Joe, he's shown he's reengaged. And did he check out mentally? Did he quit a little bit at the end of the Nagy era? Yeah, he did. And I think a lot of players did. And quite honestly, with how bad that got, I'm not sure I, I really fault him. But he's reengaged this year. He's bought into a new coaching staff. He's bought into a new system. And he knows what a great defense looks like because he was a part of one. I think he's the exact type of guy you want in that locker room. I don't go at it at a five because I wouldn't say he has to be on my team 110%. But I really like him and I very much want him on our team. Which is interesting because I actually wrote the question originally about Ed Jackson of whether or not he would even finish his contract. And this might have been maybe two or three weeks ago that I I had started writing some of these down. But um, if, if I were to ask my dad and Bob from Hoffman Estates about Eddie Jackson, they would have said so hard of zeros that they this is a weekly battle with my dad and I. He This is the, the one guy that hey. I don't think anything that Eddie Jackson could do between now and the end of his life will like forgive him for missing like two tackles in prime time. He has like, okay, sometimes you sink in on a take and I respect that. It's, you, it's solid. We get, we get to see these players once a week, 18, 17 times a season. We don't get that much to base these feelings off of. That's why opinions change with every 60 minutes of football. And because of the bar that Eddie Jackson set in his first two years in Chicago, Everything since then has been a little bit of a disappointment because he looked like the best safety in football. He yeah. was an he was a first team All Pro. That is what we ex- once you do that in Chicago, you better keep doing that. And he hasn't, but he is working his way back up to an elite level in my eyes. I love the hand. You, you guys can't see this is great podcasting. Uh, Joe keeps his Joe keeps the uh, the phone on his chest so the mic's closer to his mouth, and you can see the hand just kind of coming up above the phone, like floating while he's gesturing. I love it. He's hand gesturing while while no one's watching. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's it's good stuff. Uh, all right, last guy I got here, Cairo Santow. Santow oh, excuse me, I mean, he's kicking for his job. But that's yeah. I, I guess I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't point is the running back position because there's not the depth and talent at kicker at the professional level but like it feels like a non-essential part of the team and while he was like you're only as good as your last kick you're only as good as your last winner and Cairo I was I was all in on Cairo and it's gotten a little bit shaky over the last month and a half I think there's been some extra point issues if I remember correctly here too Um, I give him a two I give him a two because he hasn't been great, and unless you're talking about like uh, Harrison Butker, Justin Tucker, Daniel Carlson, like I feel like there's like five kickers who I'd love, and then everyone else is just kind of like, just make the kick guy, go ahead. And he's kind of just a just make the kick guy for me. Yeah, he, I got him at a two. It's just like your kid, he's got the yips right now, and if he can get out of it in the next three weeks, he can come back, and if he can't, then he can go away. That's kind of where I'm at. It's a sh- it's, it sucks that he's kind of crashed down this hard because he was kicking really well, but he has. So he's got three weeks to and figure it out. 
I think he's like when you're a kicker that doesn't have the range. Like if you're not consistently able to kick 55 no, yards, you, you can't kick. You have to be you need to make everything. Sense. Everything. Yeah. It's like what Robbie Gould right. used to be before. Like Robbie like Gould added range the last I, few years, but like he used to not be able to do anything outside of 51. But he made everything from inside 51. That's it. If I can't confidently call on you from 50 to 60, you need to be a hundred percent from 50 and in. Mm-hmm. All right, last couple of Bears questions here. Uh, we'll get out of that, the temp checks. But uh, new stadium talk, will we get a McCaskey Field at blank sponsorship, insert name here, stadium? Will somehow the McCaskey family work their name into not the full stadium because I think they're obviously they're going to sell rights to for Arlington, but will it be a McCaskey Field at sponsor name here, stadium? I think it would be more likely to be Hallis, like Hallis Field, because that's technically like that's – her that's, uh, the, the actual that's family, Virginia's yeah. name. That's the family name. I think it'd be like Hallis Field. Um, I'm gonna, just going to give you a solid. Or they just no. sell both. Uh, that's it. I'm going to give you a solid no because I still think the stadium only happens if someone else owns the team. Uh, I think that there's this like old guard. We play outside. Mom wants to play outside. This is this is who we are. We're the Bears. We're a cold weather team. We have these connections and these uh, commitments to the city and to the park district. I, I just don't see it happening until somebody else is running that franchise. So I guess I don't really see it happening. I hope it happens uh, on both accounts. I hope that we get a progressive owner who wants to make this happen so we can host Super Bowls and Final Fours and do all these things. And it can be the Arlington of Chicago. And I'm all on board with it. But I just don't I don't see radical change from this brain trust. I, I, prove me wrong, but I don't. Damn. So what's, when does the, when does the, the idea need to change? Like on the first shovel in the dirt or like when they – there's talk they're obviously going to be completing the property purchase – fully i believe within this next calendar year so when when does the idea start to change yeah like when you start let me see the let me see don't show me renderings because they got the blueprints the blueprints are out and then the prints look nice um, Rob, I've been looking at renderings of the new Oakland A's stadium since I got to Sacramento. <laughs> and they're still Good in the Coliseum with, with 12 fans there. So these type yeah. of things, you tend to sell JPEGs and you uh, you pay for actual construction. So when there are actual bulldozers on that site and there's framework being put down of a stadium, then I will believe it. Um, we heard a lot of stuff coming into this season about the financial situation of the family and how they're not very liquid and maybe how the kids want to be a little bit more liquid. So I guess that's where my fingers are crossed. Love, love being liquid. It's nice. All right. Last, last bears, last bears question here. And I thought it was a good one. I originally asked for this question a couple weeks ago. I thought it was a good question. He kind of like side, side shuffled it a little bit and didn't give it the respect (laughs) it did. Would Justin Fields be more popular as an icon if he had a cool touchdown dance? I don't think I sidestepped it. I mean, like Cam, Cam Newton came into the league and Superman, and it was a icon. We had T-Bowing. We've had a lot of things that have taken off, and Fields so, kind of is that guy who has the big play. Cape. Obviously, 
350 yard touchdown runs. He does have a, he does have a dance. He he does the little Dougie thing after he does like the little is that two step Dougie thing. It just he just it doesn't have a it doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a, a marketing charge behind it. Like yes, if he had if he created the next dab, a worldwide sensation celebration. Obviously, that would be more marketability there, but. We're in the world of the wide receiver right now when it comes to marketable dances. You saw at the World Cup the Waddle and the Gritty. That's Justin Jefferson and Jalen Waddle. Global recognition of a celebration. So I think just like to basically answer your question, yes, if he had a Dougie, or excuse me, if he had a Waddle, or if he had a Gritty, or if he had a Dab, he'd be a bigger figure. But I'm, I'm good with a nice little two-step. I'm, I'm good with where he's at right now. Joe's the Joe's the dancing guy. I'm just going to leave that one. I'm the him. dance guy. Yeah, you're the dance guy. All right, we'll jump out of bears. Uh, get in a little bit of sprinkle of everything here right off the bat. Um, PGA coming back around. You got the PNC um, starting up tomorrow. Give me a 2023 PGA Player of the Year and somebody to look out for. Somebody might doesn't have to be like a surprise or newcomer. I'm going to say Sahith Thigala because he is. I'm known as my guy, and I want it known that I'm on his horse way early. Okay, uh, but you give me give me a player of the year, and then an up and comer. Well, I'm going to let Joe start, but I do want to say this is how you know Rob Gallick is a true fan of the Moose and Runes podcast because mm-hmm. we are a Bears pod, but after a Bears pod, we're a golf pod. We are a golf podcast, so I, I had to make sure we got that in there. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I was again wasn't listening, racking my brain because I know who <laughs> I know who my up and comer is or my guy to watch and he I'm probably two years late on this but I think not player of the year caliber but I think massive massive season for Sam Burns I think Sam Burns wins a lot of tournaments wouldn't be surprised to see him win a major this year I think Sam Burns is he's got the nails he's got the game and like he's a guy that like the people who know what they're talking about are saying to look out for so I like to parrot those people. Uh, I'm saying Sam Burns for my player to keep an eye on player of the year. And we do this every time we pick a, we pick a major champion winner and he's a name that I always want to pick because he's got everything, but like, give me, give me JT, give me JT to win five tournaments in a major. Like he, it just feels like it's going to happen. If, and and then it doesn't, but like, it feels like (laughs) if I'm, if I'm, if I'm hitching my cart to a wagon, I want that wagon to be an actual wagon. And between him, Rory, and like who's going to be allowed to play a full schedule? Because like you, you cross out the live names, even if they're allowed to play at the majors, you're not going to win Player of the Year unless you win all four majors. Like the PGA mm-hmm. Tour is just not going to give you that award. Um, so you scratch out your Cam Smith, you scratch out your Dustin, you scratch out those guys. Um, I'd say player of the year award goes to Justin Thomas, honorable mention. Rory keeps this thing rolling. Like he, he just looks great. I think his head's in the right spot. I think he's got that. Like he tastes blood again. It's not just the, Oh, I'm happy to be out here. It's the, I want to go win every tournament Rory. So one of those two guys, if you're going to give me two names. Yeah. My player of the year is Rory just because I think he's kind of just, like Joe said, like he seems to found that spark again that we've been looking for. And maybe it was this whole live thing that kind of fired him up. I don't really know, but the way he played down the stretch and the way he looked in majors, I feel like he's bound to get one this year. I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. I just, it, he was just the best golfer in the world for quite some time. And it seems like 
he it felt like he was reinvigorated like he found something that you know the, the thing that whatever he was missing for the last few years really since he he blew that masters loss to Spieth. um i'm in between two uh for my my up and comer and I, it's not obviously joe's picking a a top 15 player i'm right around there too I, i'm gonna go with joaquin neiman um I thought he had a he had a really good stretch last year. We had like four or five top tens in the beginning of the year. He played pretty decently well in majors. Had a good Masters where he was paired. He like paired in Tiger's group in the Masters those first two rounds. And I just I really liked the way he held himself. Uh, he, he he played in those high pressure situations with a million eyeballs on him. I think he's a young player who strikes the ball really really well. And I think he's on his way up this year. My other guy was Cam Young, but I think that's a after finishing second in the British Open. I don't think that's that's an up and coming yeah, anymore. I put Cam Young and Sam Burns sort of on so. fair yeah. enough, fair enough on that same plane. Yeah, you're um, probably right. But, th- but those are my two guys. But Joaquin Neiman, I just it, I I loved his year last year, and I think he's going to be a guy that gets to that next level kind of and is more many, top five of majors like Cam Young was in last year. And how many years does, does he legitimately have in that right hip and lower back before he's got to change some things? So I think <laughs> right now is a per- perfect time to pick Waco. Yeah. Uh, the other name that I definitely would, would be remiss not to get on there. I love watching him is Max Homa kind of more. Yeah, on the, I think he's more on the up and comer, like obviously not in that, Did, that upper echelon of golfers, but I mean, is playing the last couple months has been about as good of golf. And I don't know if you guys have gotten into watching some of these guys do more content stuff with either like four player Bob Does Sports or yeah, those were those, that, that was an awesome Bob Does. Homa's another guy who is just super fun to watch and yeah. was on a fifty nine watch up until his birdie putt on eighteen with Bob Does Sports. So so an incredible that, round. The thing that I love about uh, Max too is like he loves a challenge and he respects Tiger. They all respect Tiger so much, but like he, if Tiger said, Max, you need to put your shoes on your hands and go swim around 17 to be a better golfer at Salt. Like what, like he would do whatever Tiger told him to. And I saw a quote the other day that he was sitting with Tiger and talking and Tiger essentially put it out in front of him that like he, he asked him how many times have you won? And Max said like five, four or five, whatever it was, whatever the answer to that question is. And he said, you should win way more. He goes, you should be winning way more than that. So like Tiger putting that out in front of him that he's like with your game, you've only won that many times. Like, I think you're going to see a big surge out of Max too. And I would love to, cause like you said, he's a, he's a great figure for the game. He's fun. He, he's, he's not just traditional media. He's kind of in that age group that resonates from, you know, the old heads who just love watching the game to the young people who love to get to know the golfer. Um, I love Max. We're a golf pod. Uh, we are. Uh, let's switch up. One word. I, I just want one word answer here. Obviously, oh Cubs, Cubs, Cubs miss out. Oh, it's easy. It's a, it's a this or that, basically. But Cubs miss out on Correa. Obviously, 350 for 13 years. They're probably not going <laughs> to get the – I'm going to go out on a limb and say not getting Dansby either, just with the teams that are still available and, and looking for shortstops. His price probably just short went list. up too with that contract. Who? Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, I guess the question is, whose offseason is more disappointing, the Sox or the Cubs? Yes. <laughs> Sox. And that's not just because it's more personal than the Cubs. It's because you're – you're wasting a window. I, I think the Cubs are trying to build themselves into a window. Sox were there. We were there. I mean, how are we talking going into last season that we could represent the American League in the World Series? And it was the most disappointing White Sox season in recent memory um, and maybe the second most disappointing of our lifetime. Uh, and to be 
not even a part of the conversation on any of these players. And furthermore, letting your former MVP double machine walk without even saying, hey, Jose, what about? Uh, it's got to be the Sox. Does, um, does it change it all? Hold on. Does it change it all real quick, knowing that like the news came out that uh, Hoyer could spend the – they got the green light for the dump truck, and there's been yeah, more media. No, like, that, everything great. came out with that's the great. Sox having the payroll, and we would like – from a Sox perspective, we wasn't anticipating a big free agency. So, like, with all those things included. But, like, look at look at the names that the Cubs were attached to and look at the deals that they're getting. You're not anybody in the right mind. And I credit Farhan Zaidi for building the Dodgers five years ago and getting the winningest season two years ago for the Giants. And now last year was a regression, but that was more like where you're at with that roster. But 13 years for Carlos Correa, and I understand you – got to pay to play and these guys never want to come back to the table and negotiate again i don't fault the cubs for not wanting to give a carlos correa 13 years i don't fault them for even not wanting to give aaron judge 10 years like i don't fault anybody for not wanting to pay those types of prices for the names that they were attached to i do fault the franchise for being completely immobile the way that the white Sox have been yeah i i money I will, money or money or no money you got will, it you got to at least be a part of the conversation I'll say the Cubs, uh, I mean, obviously, personally, I'm more disappointed in the White Sox. And just to take the opposite side of the argument, I, I do think if you're going to be big Tom Ricketts saying, well, Jed's money, Jed, the checkbook's open. He can spend whatever he wants only to not like the Sox knew that they weren't spending. Rick, but that doesn't I'm mean not, you I'm, have to spend that money. It, that you got to spend that money in the right places. You don't but he spend spent to say 75 we got million on Jamison Tyon. Like, is that where that's, you want to spend the That's the wrong place money? too. That's, that's the wrong why place I'm saying like yeah. they said they're, you know, they said the checkbook's open to spend whatever they want. And like, yeah, it was Korea too much. Sure. But like Xander Bogart's got less than 300 for 11, for 11 years and had a Cubs connection with David Ross. Like there were other options out there for them to go spend. And it's Jamison Tyon and one year of Cody Bellinger. So I'm in the Sox franchise is in a much more disappointing place right now. And I don't think that's anywhere close to debatable, but with just in a, in a, in a nutshell, this offseason, I think, is more disappointing for the Cubs because of what was almost teased to them. Did you lose, Joe? No, I'm still here. I, oh, okay, got it. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait to see if there's a more, more of a rebuttal. But no, I, I think I, the both, you know, I mean, both of you guys I, are, are – the answer. The correct answer was yes. Yeah, the, the yeah, one-word answer I gave at yeah, the beginning five of the question points was correct. For it's yes. Both of these teams stink. <laughs> Moose, you you get one gold star. Rune, you get five points. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I like that. Uh, All right. I know we're kind of wrapping. I got two more questions I want to get to. Uh, First one, rank these holidays. Oh. Labor Labor Day in September, Veterans Day in November, President's Day in February, or Memorial Day in May? I go go Memorial, Labor, Veterans Day. Uh, presidents. No disrespect to the forefathers and the founding fathers, but uh, veterans and president, due to the nature of my work, signify other than the celebration of those actual things. It's like not a day off. It's not a, a long weekend. It's none of that for me personally. It's whereas Memorial Day and Labor Day are the true signals that summer has come, summer has gone. And I think that those are always fun weekends. Those are always, um, I guess, growing up, those were always bigger, uh, bigger moments. So that that's me. I'm, I'm Memorial Labor Veterans Presidents. 
I, I'm flipping labor and memorial, and then I have the same okay. back too. Um, Why though? I, I, because I like college football. College football starts Labor Day. That and means I think college football's here. Okay. Obvi- obviously, it's the end of the summer, which is unfortunate, but it's, it's the beginning of the fall, which is still a fantastic season, and it means football is back, and we are a football pod. Good take. Good take. Yeah. I'll give you that. I don't. Yeah, I don't I disagree. Was, with I always associate Labor Day with like school starting. And even though, like, we always went back way before, but it was like that, like you said, that was the 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 end of summer. Yeah, I've grown to love Labor Day now. I used to hate it. Well, I hate it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I just hate labor. <laughs> I do hate as, labor. As we know, Rune's favorite season of all time. Moose's not most favorite season of all time. Bowl season. Getting started mm-hmm. with, I can't oh, even yeah. remember who the sponsor is of the Bahamas Bowl anymore. Hometown like, Lenders. Hometown Lenders. They're getting um, crazy. I want, and crazier. I want, yeah, well, you guys are about to get crazier here too. Hell so I yeah. need you guys to make your own ball. Here's what I need. I need a corporate sponsor. I need a okay. location and I need two group of five invite teams. Group of five. Okay. This is yeah. Easy. You guys, you don't get any of the power. You guys don't get any of the, the power five. Joe, you want to, you want to. Forget the teams. I want to, I want it the right. I, I, I know a corporate it, I know it's in Tampa. I know it's in Tampa. It's oh, in pa- t- There's no question that it's in Tampa. Uh, so it's going to be, and I don't want it to be like for the first name that came to mind was Meineke car care bowl, but I think that's an actual thing. <laughs> that was um, Detroit for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so corporate sponsor, um, we're going to go, let's go big. Let's get some money behind this thing. Boo. Okay, see, I, obscurity is obviously what we're looking for, but the Amazon Bowl hasn't happened, and that just sounds hilarious. Like the Amazon, the Tampa, the Tampa the Amazon Bowl. The Tampa, yeah. The the Bezos, the Tampa Bezos Bowls presented by Amazon is going to be the the naming rights there. And, I mean, you can put whoever you want in that. It's, it's, it's must-see television. Yeah, we're going to – I'm in between a couple sponsors here. But we're gonna do it in DeKalb. We're gonna we're gonna go to DeKalb, <laughs> Illinois. We're gonna play it out in Northern. In close. We're, go, we're going to have uh, the worst bowl eligible team in the MAC because I know we I know we have to have like conference number affiliations. That's usually you have to have some tie ins. Yeah, that's gonna be oh, one of our tie ins. I, I got your we're have bottom bottom head or bottom team in the MAC that's bowl eligible. Uh, let's go bottom team in the Mountain West that's eligible too. I like that little clashing there. Um, hmm. the Toronto Bread Bowl played at Gately Stadium. Oh, oh I thought you said Toronto for a second. No, Toronto, was, the bread company. Yeah, I, that, no, I, got, no, I got you, but for a second, I, I was, I was Toronto. in on the Toronto. I was like, oh, no, 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 Gately, Toronto, the Toronto, the Toronto Bread Bowl played at Gately Stadium. I just wanted to say Bread Bowl more than anything. Uh, we're go. gonna go with the the Evergreen Kia Bowl played out of DeKalb. Take good care of my Kia. Take good care of my Kia and we'll take good care of you. So you will have the uh, the Akron Zips playing yeah. a, a the winner or the loser of Nevada and New Mexico, who both went 0-8 and 2-7 and overall like in the Mountain West. So I I it, it should be New Mexico. It. New Mexico Lobos versus the Akron Zips. I think Bring that is a, that is appointment television on like a like a Thursday at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, even Hell though most yeah. people are working. I'd watch and bet. I Get want – I want you to give me like a floor. I want like a Florida rivalry. I want like South Florida UCF at the, uh, yeah, at, the Bezos, at the Bezos bowl presented or the, the okay, Bezos. So you're going the Tampa more Bezos like bowl presented by Amazon. Yeah. You're looking more affiliated 
competition as opposed to like like the name like somebody like one of the air force te- or like one of the armed forces teams always plays in the armed forces ball like you have <laughs> like it, your, your tampa bowl has to be a florida team gotta be florida teams gotta versus be florida some, teams. it's like florida versus the u.s it's, it's like if, if they florida play a bowl game ball. if they play a bowl game at fenway either bc or notre dame has to be in it like that type of thing yeah i like it yeah. yeah, I think you can't go wrong with it. You get somebody that you get a company to really lock in some money for a bowl game. I think yeah. that's the that's the new the new uh, the new investment to be had. None or of this crypto like, stuff. We're getting you, into bowl games. You want or you want a corporate sponsor that like you have no idea what they do. Like the Aeon Bowl presented by like yeah like like just you want <laughs> like, like what a what massive, about the Mark? Go ahead. I was thinking the like the Mark by Mark Jacobs by Mark Jacobs Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like, where, like, whatever, you get the name very, in there. Like, the Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A Nuggets London. Bowl. The, uh, the Mac, the Mac Bowl. That the bowl, Chipotle could, Chicken Bowl. What about the Glenn Lerner Bowl and you play it on 2-2-2? The so Kraft Bowl. The second. Kraft Bowl presented by Kraft Mac and Cheese and it's two Mac teams. And you play in Mike Kraft's uh, that, that would be a good – what if that was just the MAC championship sponsor? What if we needed to get, high, like, Kraft into just the Yeah, we just, start, we just start sponsoring the MAC. Uh, the yeah. MAC Don't get me wrong. Detroit is the perfect place for the MAC championship, but, like, I feel like that also can't be played in the Dome anymore. Like, we need to find an outdoor stadium where you have a chance of a blizzard those in the poor, MAC championship. Those poor kids spend, like, nine weeks on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights playing in the snow. Like, let them have the Dome on a Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like uh, that's not true MAC. They're going to get kicked for, like, the Michigan lower level state championship games or something like when you guys start arguing the merits of the Mac championship bowl <laughs> is good, where, time to where this becomes a two man podcast again. And it's the, and it's the Robin runes. It's not the moose and runes. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think we needed the pull. I, I think we, that was a good question. I think it needed the pull, plug pulled after. Thought provoking. Thought All provoking. All great podcasts need to end on both talk this time of year. I'm, I'm a firm believer in it. God, country, quick. Popeye's Bahama, Bahamas bowl pick for Friday. Who you guys got? Joe, who's I'll give playing? you ten dollars if you know. You, gotta tell, you have to tell me who's playing in the Popeyes. I was like, Bahamas honestly, I need I, to look because I did say Popeyes out of habit. It's not the Popeyes. It's got to be Western anymore. Western Kentucky. I feel like it is. It is Miami, Ohio, and UAB. UAB's laying ten and a half. Uh, give me, give me the, give me the Red Hawks and the points there. I'll take. Ooh, the I was going to say, give me UAB. UAB is the technical home team in the Bahamas. Uh, I like that. <laughs> Regionally closer. Oh, They'll get a lot more of their fan base to try. Uh, we will be here to have a full, full breakdown of that one on the Moose and Noons podcast, episode 280. We're at a decade pod. Uh, we're, 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 we're coming up on 300 here. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Rob Gallick will have some sort of hand in, in episode 300, whether it be the mailbag or elsewhere. But Rob, we appreciate you for stopping by, adding a little spice to this pod here on a Bears bye week. Uh, not an off week, a bye week. Uh, we will see how it goes against Philadelphia. Maybe close your eyes and pray for rain. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 279 for Rob. For Matt, I'm Joe. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> 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 <laughs>